to defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. So I will ask you again, Captain. Do you know what this is? Some primitive native trinket. It's a Kalikori. A revered Twi'lek heirloom, passed from parent to child through generations. Worthless to outsiders, priceless to family. Yes, well, she stole it. Yes, but why? War. It's all you ever known, isn't it? You were so young when you survived the Clone War. No wonder you are as equipped in spirit to fight as well as you do. War is in your blood. I study the art of war, work to perfect it. But you, you were forged by it. Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone. So pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 517. Thrawn. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Admiral Thrawn and Admiral Aralani. To my Eli Vanto, we've got Carl Leclerc and Steph. Steph, you can totally be Thrawn. I love Aralani. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's a, a good toss up. Um, yeah, two awesome characters for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm a fan of all three of these characters, especially from the uh, the trilogies. So, and uh, welcome to the show, Steph. It's the first time you, we've had you on the podcast. It is. I'm super excited to be here. I've definitely listened to you guys. And uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to finally be doing this. Carl and I have been talking about a Thrawn podcast for what seems like forever. So it's cool that it's finally happening. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, so cool to have you on the following episode after, after your, of course, spouse, Tyler was with me two weeks ago talking legacy of the force, which was only his second time on. And once again, admitted to the fact that he's still never listened to the show, which is like, great. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks for telling us on air. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, no Steph. I mean, you are the biggest Thrawn fan I've ever known. And the first Thrawn fan that like has made me excited to want to explore Thrawn. Um, so really, really excited to, to pick your brain this this episode about all things Thrawn. Um, because, yeah, like, I mean, I had tried some of these Thrawn books in the past, the, the new canon ones. Um, and for whatever reason, just couldn't get into them. And then you and I got to be good friends and your love of Thrawn was just infectious. And I picked them up again and totally different relationship with them now. They're absolutely great. And you were wonderful in humoring me that every time I was reading the books, I would just send you random excited texts and you always responded because you're so wonderful. <laughs> I, I lived for getting those texts. It was great <laughs> because like, I felt like I got to experience those books like all over again without having to... You know, not that I don't mind reading them, but, you know, just the time commitment and all of that. So I I very much enjoyed it. 
Well, it was it was also handy because I actually went through some of those old texts today while I was like jotting down some notes. I'm like, well, what were the things that really excited me? Oh, I'll just look at my text to Steph. <laughs> oh, that's a good. I should. It was I perfect. Done that. <laughs> that's well, good. Um, but uh, yeah, no. But Jason, you've you've enjoyed these books since they came out, if I remember right. Um, yeah. Uh, so for everyone who uh, listens, and for Steph, I I intake these books via audiobook because I've got an Audible account. Um, it saves me space that I don't have in bookshelves um, because I would love to have books, but I'm also on the move all the time, so uh, I like listening to them. Um, I. When the original uh, Thrawn trilogy came out, when I say original, I mean the original new trilogy mm-hmm. came out. I listened to them as they came out. Um, and I started the Ascendancy trilogy as well when it was coming out. Got through the first two and just never got around to starting the third one for whatever reason. I It wasn't because I didn't like it, because I was really enjoying that trilogy, but... Um, I got distracted with other things and completely forgot to go back. So when Carl was like, yeah, we want to do a Thrawn podcast, you know, coming up in a couple months, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Um, because I I listened to the books as they come out. So it was like a really like extended listening period. So I binged all six of these books <laughs> in about a month and a half, two months. Oh wow! Unaudible, yeah. So I, I have, I've got nothing but Thrawn in my ear holes <laughs> for like, uh, you know, two months. And uh, Mark Thompson does a fantastic job with the Thrawn voice uh, for any Audible listeners. He's the narrator for these books and is almost indistinguishable from uh, the one we have in Rebels. So, oh, cool. Yeah, I, I need to get around to listening to the audiobooks because. Um, yeah, I was very curious to hear what Thrawn's voice sounded like in those. Um, so maybe that'll be my next my next dive back into those into those stories. Yeah, they're yeah. very very well done, and Star Wars always does a spectacular job uh, with their audiobooks in general because they include sound effects and music as well. And so many of the uh, narrators, Mark Thompson in particular, does fantastic voices that match what he's doing with the narration. So, yeah, interestingly enough, his Thrawn voice, though, for Heir to the Empire, which is the only one I've listened to of these books, um, is definitely not the voice of Thrawn from Rebels, which is done by who who does the voice again? Lars von Trier. No, I know that's not that's (laughs) 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 Lars Mikkelsen. That's right. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, in Heir to the Empire, he does not do that voice. It's a it's a very different voice for Thrawn, um, which threw me the first probably, time I listened to it. Probably because he read it before. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was before the Rebels, show. I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, that's my guess as well. Um, but uh, well, all that all that aside, now, uh, Steph, I'm really want to start with you and just because. So obviously, you and I are friends. Folks who are listening. Um, don't know that. Well, now they do. Uh, um, but like when I first met you, uh, I met you obviously through through your spouse, Tyler, and you were like a moderate Star Wars fan, like you'd seen them because obviously Tyler's always enjoyed them. Um, but it wasn't until Thrawn that you've like turned into a like a diehard Star Wars fan, as we often talk about among our, our group of friends. You know, you're a much bigger Star Wars fan than Tyler at this point. Um, yeah. How did how did you get introduced to Thrawn? 
Yeah, no, it, it is super crazy. And I, you know, several years ago would not have ever thought I'd be a bigger Star Wars fan than my husband, um, who like really grew up with the, the series. So yeah, it was, um, I don't know, it was, it was a few years ago. It was pre-COVID. That's all I know how to measure time by anymore. Um, <laughs> many of us, I'm sure. I know, right? Um, so I don't know, sometime or before that. Um, I, I had decided, I don't remember why, but I was just like, again, like you said, Carl, I'd always been a pretty casual Star Wars fan. Like I'd seen all the movies a few times, but you know, was never... Um, yeah, never a diehard fan by any means. And I just kind of decided, I think because, you know, I knew it was something that my husband was super invested in. And I was like, you know, let's, let's give it another go. Like I wanted to make a a concerted effort to like revisit all those, those movies, starting with the movies first and, uh, you know, like really, um, kind of dig into them and, and get into the lore in a deeper way than I had before. So that's, it's kind of started again with like Star Wars as a whole. So we watched all the movies in order you know, and, and I would like ask questions and, and, you know, things like that. But then, um, I had never seen Clone Wars or Rebels before. And so after we finished the, you know, the, the nine movies, uh, Tyler was like, Hey, you know, if you, if you're really enjoying this, you might check out these animated shows. And I was like, sure, why not? Um, and so really enjoyed Clone Wars, obviously like fantastic show. Um, and then he's like, well, there's this other one rebels. And I was like, let's, let's go. Like, I'm just really loving it. And I was already like enjoying star Wars a lot more, um, having just like rewatched the movies and, and especially Clone Wars, I think really kind of hooked me in. Um, and then we get to rebels, right. Which to this day, I think might still be my favorite piece of star Wars media, like of all of them. Um, just love the stories, um, love the, you know, kind of continuous story following a group of characters and, and the development of them over time. So anyway, so so we get around to when, when Thrawn is introduced, right? And I was just really intrigued by him as a character. So, you know, here he shows up, right? And I'm like, oh, who is this guy? Like, he's he's kind of cool, right? <laughs> and he was just kind of interesting. And I definitely, I got to say, I, part of it is probably Lars Mikkelsen's voice, right? It's just so, like, iconic and it's it's still like hypnotizing right mm, <laughs> um, that's a really and, good way to put it yeah right and it was just i don't know it was just so different and i was like who like got kind of this creepy vibe but like really intriguing and so i was actually initially like drawn to him as a villain as a really interesting villain um and, and it's one of those things like not saying like i think they're a good person or a good character in terms of like you know virtue or, or morality but an interesting character a well-written character uh and i guess i've always sort of been interested in in villains that were you know maybe their their uh power was strategy right or their wit instead of brawn or you know superpowers or something like that so yeah he just he struck me as a really interesting just character um, a really interesting villain that I hadn't seen play out a whole bunch of times. Um, and then I think the other thing that kind of hooked me on him, admittedly, is that from when I was a young girl, I was always a huge fan of the Sherlock Holmes stories. <laughs> and anyone who you know is familiar with Thrawn, there have been a lot of people who have made that parallel between his character and Sherlock Holmes. So the you know powers of deductive reasoning, he's insanely mm-hmm. clever, like two steps ahead of people all the time. So I, I feel like there's definitely a relationship there as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I, I actually had never heard that comparison to him in, in Sherlock Holmes. So that's that's news to me, but certainly makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. So so you, you get introduced to him in, in Rebels, which is a very particular, uh, I would say, take on him. Um, we'll probably get into more detail on that a little bit later. 
Um, but where did that take you next with Thrawn? So I, I know you were intrigued. You were in, you know, you were certain like your, your interest was peaked, but then you really seemed to dive in. What, where did you go next in, in your kind of Thrawn adventure? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, we'll probably talk about it later, but there's like a couple of moments in rebels that kind of like sealed it for me. I was like, yes, this guy's so cool. Terrible, but cool. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, honestly, like when rebels ended, I was like, whoa, I want more star Wars, but I really want more Thrawn. <laughs> specifically. Um, and so again, like Tyler, who, you know, is, is familiar with the legends books and everything. I was like, where do I get more Thrawn? <laughs> and, and he's, by the way, laughing this whole time. Like, even when we were watching Rebels, he was like, this is so fascinating to watch someone who had no idea who this character was, because I had never read any, I had never read Heir to the Empire, right? My uh, first right. exposure to Thrawn was Rebels. That's a pretty critical detail. Um, and he just found it hilarious. He's like, this is weird, right? Because for everybody else, it was like this big, shocking reveal, I'm sure. And to me, I was like, who's this blue guy? He seems cool. <laughs> 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 you know? So, so yeah, that was it. I was like, where, where can I get more of him? And he was like, well, the Heir to the Empire, right? And, and the, the books. And then I kind of stumbled across the the canon uh, series that Timothy's on was writing at the time as well. Uh, Ascendancy books had not come out yet, I don't think, at that time. But so that's kind of how that went. I just just wanted to consume more, and the books were kind of the next logical step. Yeah. So so was the, so were the first stories you read then the Heir to the Empire trilogy? No, actually. So my I kind of hopped all over the place with them, which is kind of funny. Um, so because I had started with Rebels, um, and I knew there was what I kind of just called the middle trilogy, so that mm. first canon trilogy, right? Um, right? I was like, okay, since that's canon, and I just came from, like, canon Thrawn, let's kind of <laughs> stick on that path <laughs> until um, before I go back to, to Heir of the Empire. Like, I kind of wanted to, like, you know... Again, my time is, is limited. <laughs> I'm a busy person. So I was like, you know, if I want to get through something first, like, let's stick with, like, what's current so that I could kind of keep up with contemporary discussions, right, about the character. Right. So, so, yeah, I actually started, um, I read that whole trilogy first, all as, as, as kind of one block. Okay. Um, Makes and sense. I, and I know that, I mean, I know this from our conversations, that that first, first. canon Thrawn yeah. book... Um, uh, with with Governor Price that kind of sets up the the story in Rebels is your favorite, correct? Yeah, yeah, we've talked about this. Like it's hard because I feel like each of those trilogies is so different. Um and they're each special in their in their own ways. Um but I think you know some of it is just the the bias of the order I read them in, I think, right? Uh, and so that was, you know, that was my first glimpse into Thrawn as this like multi-dimensional character, right? As someone who, you know, we see him going into the Empire, but it's the first kind of glimpse into like the Chiss, really, that I had had. Um, and again, I just enjoyed that story of like his kind of naive personality, uh, you know, joining up with the Imperials and and um, definitely his relationship with with Eli Vanto, right? Um, as I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. talk about. So, so just a lot of a lot of really good things in that story. Um, again, I love the Ascendancy trilogy. I think, again, not to jump ahead, but of all the trilogies, I think that's probably the best, like as a whole. Um, but yeah, I, I just have a personal bias for that first canon novel. Yeah, 
Um, I mean, yeah. understandable because it sounds like the the interest was peaked, and then that really helped you digest it even more. Um, yeah. Did, so, oh, did you have a like a, a a really big hook from that first book that kept everything going, or or uh, was it just still fueled by you know need more things thrown? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I would say like that book did a really good job of, of hooking me. Um, and I think Ascendancy would have done the same thing, right? But just showing a, a different side to that character, right? Because he wasn't at that point like a 100% hardcore villain. You still get that sense of he's doing this like for his people, right? Um, even at that point in that, in that first uh, middle trilogy book. Uh, and it was like, oh, you know, this is this is very different. This is a totally new side to this character. And again, I just love well-written, multi-dimensional characters. And so I think that's kind of what initially hooked me. Um, and then I just kept, you know, I stayed hooked because I was, I just enjoyed reading that book. Um, like I would periodically just laugh at things, like laugh out loud <laughs> while I was reading. Just like the funny interactions between him and some of the other Imperials. And, and my husband would constantly be like, that book cannot be that funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's like, why are you like always laughing at it? But um, again, I just, I just found those interactions between Thrawn being the way he is and, and everyone else. Right. And this is one of the things that yeah. I think is so great in those books. And, and um, you know, cause you're never inside his head. Right. So much mm. of that story is told through the perspectives of characters around him. And it just makes for like really funny moments. <laughs> so um, yeah. 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 I, Definitely. I, I, I think, uh, well, maybe I'll save that thought for when we actually get to the books uh, themselves. But yeah, go ahead, Cardi, you were going to ask a well, question. I think before we dive in maybe a little more specifically into these subsequent trilogies, I think my kind of like the last big question I would ask for you, Steph, is what do you think Thrawn brings to the Star Wars mythos? Oh, I know it's kind of a big question. Um, yeah. and it's certainly one we could come back to if you want. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, I mean, there's there's undeniably, right, there's kind of the obvious thing about him being this, like, relative outsider um, to the to the Empire, right? Like, being, you know, not just, like, the only alien really around, but then um, also becoming a Grand Admiral, and it was a really big deal. So I think there's kind of a cool story about, again, outsiders and, and you know, xenophobia in a, in a fictional context. Um, that's kind of interesting. Um, and again, I, I think a lot of it is, is just kind of bringing a character with different, uh, like strong suits. Again, it's not necessarily about, he's, he's not a force user, right? It's not about using the force. It's not about being a Sith. Um, but again, just someone who uses their intellect and, and outwits and outplays people. And so he, it's just a, a different type of character, right? That I don't think we have seen in, in other parts of that universe. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's fair. He's yeah. he's not Palpatine, you know, manipulating yeah. things and pulling strings. He's not Vader, who's just a force of nature. You know, he's uh, he's one who, you know, uh, essentially wins all his battles at a chessboard. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, let's let's. Let's dive in a little bit more here. Uh, let's let's kind of just go in, in release order, if you will, and uh, look at <laughs> look at the throne of that original trilogy that Zahn put out between ninety one and ninety three. Obviously, the heir to the Empire trilogy 
Air to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, Last Command, one book a year from 91, 92, and 93. And all of his subsequent trilogies each are one book a year. I mean, Timothy Zahn is like a Stephen King of Star Wars, I feel like. I think he is the most published Star Wars author, um, which doesn't surprise so me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that, I mean, it really felt like that that original that original Thrawn trilogy, starting with Heir to the Empire, I mean, it was still more about telling the story of Han, Luke, and Leia after Return of the Jedi, right? Like, it, it's much more, a, mm-hmm. it's really much more of almost like a sequel trilogy in its own right. Thrawn is much more of a secondary character, I would say. Um, and Steph, you know, you made a great point that even in, even in the subsequent trilogies, we never get to be inside of Thrawn's head. We only get... Uh, I mean, we get to know Thrawn through his actions and relationships with others and others takes on Thrawn, but we never get inside of his head. And that is certainly true in this original trilogy. I mean, I think what stands out most to me from those original three books is really just that Thrawn is this military genius, right? I mean, something that's been consistent that they've done with Thrawn from the get go is, you know, he, he, he studies the enemy. He wants to know them and he, he comes to understand them through their studying of their art. Um, and he's a tactical genius, uh, that's that's kind of really all his character is in a way in that first trilogy is he's just he's a new type of villain um, you know kind of the point you were just making Jason right like he's not the emperor he's not Vader that that original trilogy actually makes several points to kind of contrast him to Vader right like when I think it's in Air of the Empire like in one of the officers on the Chimera makes a mistake and is all nervous. But, you know, he's like, I'm not Darth Vader. Like, I'm not going to kill my own men. Right. Mistakes Mm -hmm. happen. Um, Right. You know, but he's the one he's got this great foreknowledge of understanding that he's going to recruit a dark Jedi. He's going to have to face somebody like Luke Skywalker. You know, the you get this mythos of the Yisil army. Then Um, Thrawn's the one who figures them all out. Um, But that's to me kind of like that's really who he is in the air of the Empire. He's, He's this new type of villain. Um, me personally, I never liked him. Uh, I, and this is probably why I was less inclined to get excited about future stories about him is I never liked him because he just said he seemed too perfect. It was like, no matter what Han, Luke and Leia did, Thrawn outsmarted them. And that just pissed me off. <laughs> like he was just a little too perfect for my liking, but at the same time, like, I think it makes sense. Um, but what is, what, what do the two of you think of that, that initial introduction of Thrawn? Hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, um, Steph. Yeah. So, again, I had read that middle trilogy completely. Um, and then I think, I forget if it was the first Ascendancy book, but the next thing I did was I, I did the whole uh, original trilogy, right? And I remember saying to, to my husband, I was like, um, you know, similar to, to you, Carl, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Like, he's, I don't think he's nearly as interesting of a character in, in Heir to the Empire, which I feel like is like Star Wars sacrilege to say. But, um, uh, yeah, again, like he's, it is more like Han and Leia's story, right? And and I agree with him being sort of a secondary character. So I don't feel like we get to see as much of his cunningness or even as much of those uh, meaningful relationships, right? There's definitely kind of like the, the command, uh, you know, kind of power differential relationships, you know, on his ship. And we do get the sense that like, you know, people are very loyal to him and will follow him. Um but yeah, there's there's not a whole lot much more to him than that. He's not as complex. And so I remember being like, uh, you know, saying if, if that had been my introduction to Thrawn, I also don't think that I would have been as excited. Um, I definitely think like Rebels added a lot to that character and maybe got some people excited. 
Um, but for me, like, I'm, I'm really glad I took the path I did, like going Rebels and, and going into that uh, first canon trilogy and then coming back and, and kind of doing the, the OG trilogy. But um, yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely can agree with you on that. Not, not my favorite. Actually, my least favorite of the, th- of the three trilogies, which again, I feel like I should not be allowed to say, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, you're absolutely, you're allowed, terrible, to, you're absolutely but... allowed to say it. I mean, there's a lot of people that still don't know that trilogy. So uh, and there's a lot of people that know that trilogy that don't like it. <laughs> so, fair, uh, and fair. not just from the Thrawn stuff. There's a lot of people that didn't like what, what Zahn did with Han, Luke, and Leia. So, um, which I think is a valid criticism. They are Han especially is, and Leia are super one-dimensional throughout that whole trilogy. Um, I think Zahn is, to me, from the most... I've been reading a lot of Zahn in the last year and a half. Zahn is at his best when he's not writing main movie characters. I think he gets them very poorly like they're all super one-dimensional um and we'll get into that with the with the middle trilogy too with when he's got the the vader and anakin story man he mm-hmm. writes the worst anakin i've ever read so <laughs> but uh um, wow, okay. yeah i just i i just don't think he understands how to write anakin um well um before we get there yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah the the i hmm. heir to the empire as a trilogy i remember reading it um, you know, when I, when I first was getting into star Wars books as a kid, uh, I do remember reading it. I, I liked it, but it wasn't my favorite. Cause I obsessed over the X-Wing tr- series, like mm-hmm. the X-Wing books. Like that was my stuff. I, I, I didn't, I liked Thrawn as a villain because he was something different. Um, and it was nice to have a big bad guy that all the, the good guys had to try to beat. And mm-hmm. I liked it because in the end, Admiral Akbar was the superior admiral and uh, beat Thrawn. Like that, that's kind of, you know, my take on it as, as kid Jason, um, you know, back in the day, I was like, yeah, he was this big challenge, but Admiral Akbar and the rest of the rebels beat him. Um, <laughs> so, ha ha. Um, but I, uh, I see that the, the thing that we always all ha- have to remember is that this was the first, uh, really kind of the first, the, the introduction of Star Wars publishing and Star Wars expanded universe uh, content that was being taken, uh, for lack of a better word, seriously. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it launched, you know, Star Wars uh, back into the the uh, minds of people because it there'd been a couple of books um, and it but it you know it had sort of lost the the public knowledge uh, of Star Wars since you know Return of the Jedi had had finished up in theaters and everything like that so mm-hmm. it was sort of a rebirth of Star Wars in the quote unquote dark times was what everyone calls it. Um, I was introduced to start to this character and this trilogy uh, in an era where there was already a a great amount of Star Wars content. So it wasn't something I dug into or became as important to me as it did all you know all those who were there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's something just to remember. It is you know it's a big deal simply from that perspective. Um, but it just doesn't, doesn't hit, you know, as big for me in general, because 
one, you know, I'm more about Jedi and the force in general and the good guys. Um, and then two, uh, I was more interested in Pelion than Thrawn in mm. those books. Pelion is my, is my favorite Imperial character. Uh, I don't, uh, Palpatine's a Sith. No, he's not an Imperial. Um, Palpatine's amazing. But uh, Pelion as an Imperial officer, he's my favorite Imperial officer. And so the fact that he's coming back in Ahsoka. Right, right. Uh, has me all kinds of excited. But um, yeah, no, having, having Pelion back uh, is great. And I, I've always enjoyed him. And he got his introduction in those books. So, uh, right. and a lot of the stuff that we got with Thrawn in those books is from Pelion's point of view. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, I think that might be part of why I enjoyed him um, so much. But yeah, that I, makes sense. I think um, it, it's something I've I've always I've come to appreciate over time when thinking back on the Thrawn trilogy. And actually, I'm excited to reread that entire original trilogy. I, Jason, you and I did an episode on Heir to the Empire, I think, two years ago for its 25th anniversary or maybe 30th anniversary. Yeah, I think it was his 30th. Um, so I reread the book for the first time in years um, and, and really enjoyed it. It's a really fun story. But I, I haven't read Dark Force Rising and Last Command probably in 20 to 25 years. So I'm excited. I want to reread all of them uh, before the Ahsoka show comes out um, just for the fun of it. So I'm excited to revisit them. But I do remember the way Thrawn is killed in that book. And it got me thinking that it's sort of similar to Palpatine's own demise. I mean, if you erase the sequel trilogy, at least, Uh, um, right? The one thing Palpatine could never foresee is like how compassion or, or how like personal loyalties shake out. And that's kind of what happens to Thrawn is the Nogri who he believes are kind of just totally beholden to him. He doesn't really notice that they become beholden to Leia because of their fascination with Vader. And, and she's the daughter of Vader. Um, and I, th- and that's what leads to his being assassinated by, by one of them. He just doesn't see it coming. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember like when I first read the story all those years ago, I was like, yeah, this felt weak. Like it's, he's a too, too perfect villain who just doesn't see this coming. That didn't make sense to me, but looking back on it, it actually, it feels very Palpatine esque in that way. Like there's certain things that Thrawn is not capable of um, in, mm-hmm. in that trilogy. And, and that's, that's how human relationship works. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those things like it's, it's interesting, right? Like someone who that's what makes it kind of a, a twist or kind of a shock, right? Like someone who again is supposed to always be three steps ahead of everybody else. And then someone who was actually very close to him or he thought was very close to him this whole time is kind of the one to betray him. Right. I think is, is kind of a cool, there's a cool story in there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I didn't put in the, the hand of Thrawn duology because he's not really in those books. I was I was gonna ask um, yeah. if either of you had read those or Outbound Flight. Uh, I know Carl, oh, you read Outbound I Flight. I love Outbound Flight. Yeah, maybe we should. Yes. Yeah. He, oh gosh, I don't. Oh, God, I loved that book so much. <laughs> that is that is maybe my favorite Star Wars book I've read so far, and wow. Thrawn is in it. But yeah. um, I also really enjoy the Jedi characters and just like the story. The ending is so good, you know. So. Yeah, but I, I count that as a Thrawn book in its own way. Yeah, no, I, I, it's more of a Thrawn book than the Hand of Thrawn duology that he's not actually in. So, <laughs> Yeah, those, again, I was like, I want to read them, you know, because, again, they were, you know, technically Thrawn books, but I agree. They're, they're weird. They're kind of weird books. Yeah. Um, I think I've read them once. That's all you and need. That, and that was like, 
I was like 14. So yeah, I actually never read the, years ago. never read the first one. I've never read specter of the past. I know I read vision of the future. The second one, cause that it ends yeah. with Luke and Le- Luke and Mara getting married. Um, right. Right. But I yeah, remember, that's like, the, that's yeah. like the, I guess the best part, right? Like the, the only yeah. thing you really kind of take away from that story. Yeah. Yeah. The empire is trying to make the, the new Republic believe that Thrawn is back and he survived, right? right. Like that's, that's the premise of, okay. Yep. Yeah. Right. That's the premise, but, but he isn't actually alive. <laughs> so, right. Right. Yeah. Right. But they, clo- but they cloned him. Right. Well, yeah. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's a similar plot to kind of what they, you know, it, it's funny. I think it's in some of the, I, I want to say maybe the aftermath trilogy where the empire is still like saying, you know, Oh, the emperor is still alive. The, the rebellion is lying. Right. So it's, it's trying to, uh, discredit uh, a victorious claim there. Um, but yeah, it, it, darn it. I am embarrassed that I left Outbound Flight out because that is such a good book and Thrawn is in oh. fact in it. Um, yeah. I don't remember his role in it that well though. <laughs> Can you refresh refresh our memories? Uh, yeah, it's been a minute. Well, I mean, so that one's interesting, right? Because you're, it's, it's kind of half and half. So you're in that story, you're getting the Thrawn story through the eyes of, of Cardus, right? Jory, I think his name is. Sure. Joris? Cardus, Jor- uh, no, 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 no. Um, no, not no, Joris so is the, the Jedi yeah. and heir to the Empire. Um, well, he's yeah, been anyway. so long since I've read that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. He is in Outbound um, Flight. He isn't. Joris Saboth is in Outbound Flight. He's the Jedi leading he? the oh, mission. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That yep. is him. That is him. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Lorana, right? Jinsler is his, his Padawan in that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's great. But yeah, so half of the story, that's right, that's right. Half the story is kind of, you know, their story. And then there's also, um, you know, kind of the, the Thrawn half of the story as well. And those two stories kind of converge at a few points. But um, that's the, that book is interesting because it kind of reminded me a lot of the Ascendancy trilogy, which I, again, had, had read before, or at least a couple of those books before doing Outbound Flight. And um, I felt like Zahn writes Thrawn a lot more like he did in the Ascendancy trilogy in those books. You see, uh, again, he's with the Chiss still at that point, and you get a lot more of that kind of, um, the humane side to him. And he has a relationship with Cardus that's similar to what he has with Eli Vanto in that, that first canon series. Um, so, so it's, again, kind of an interesting, uh, different spin or different, different angle on that character as well that I really enjoyed. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, I'm embarrassed. I can't remember more details because I did love the heck out of that book. Um, <laughs> and it, I and remember. There, yeah. It gets, trying, I know well, they were like trying to retrieve. Oh, something. Yeah. It's been. Was it, yeah. I, I don't remember. Like well, I, I and it, that was a book. I think I read. I was reading so many books at that. So many Star Wars books at that time. I think it's kind of lost to my mind in a jumble of a bunch of other things. So I couldn't tell mm-hmm. you really yeah. except really much except that Joris Saboth was in it. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I know it, it's connected to Survivor's Quest, another Timothy Zahn book, which is a Luke and Mara story mm-hmm. um, where they're, they're sent to kind of fi- find the outbound flight survivors and, uh, Thrawn is hinted at in it because it's before Thrawn shows up. No, that can't make any sense. Thrawn's dead. Never mind. No. If Luke and Mara are together, <laughs> Thrawn's not around. Never mind. But right. Thrawn is obviously talked about. Um, yeah, yeah. 
I think that's what it was. There were, there were a bunch of dreadnoughts like that had been yeah. floating around somewhere in space that they were trying to find. That's right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's starting to come back. But yeah, it's been a while. I need to give that one a reread. Um, well, let's let's move into that kind of middle trilogy, the the first of the new canon books, um, which ran. Oh, what, no, no, no. I guess before those books came out, you had season three of Rebels, which introduced Thrawn in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go. Let's get your let's get everybody's hot takes on on Thrawn's appearance in Rebels. Jason, what is better you- than better than heir to the empire? Not a question. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought it was great. I thought it was a fantastic sort of reimagining of the character because it it's not this quite the same, but it's you definitely can see how they've translated and transliterated him into the new timeline, into the new canon, uh, and really kind of getting his feet solidly in the story. Um, I, I enjoyed seeing him in there. The, the theme music for him is absolutely spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just seeing his, I don't know what it is, but he has the best sort of like brooding contemplation face of anybody <laughs> anywhere. Um, so it must be the glowing red eyes or something. <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoyed him and his appearance in uh, in Rebels. Um, I, I enjoyed that like one of his his only failures was at the hand of the Bendu, because obviously mm-hmm. everyone knows here I love Bendu. Uh, <laughs> he's one of my favorite characters from Rebels, period. So um yeah, having having the Bendu uh, leave him questioning everything at the end of season three of Rebels was uh, was really fun because it's like, aha, there is something you cannot explain. Yeah, yeah. And then he he kind of just like, I will figure it out, and then just move past it. Uh, <laughs> and he's like, we're gonna just focus on what I can figure out. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way before, but that that does feel like I wonder how much of that is intentional, <laughs> right? Because yeah. um, it does seem kind of like you know someone like that who feels like they can have their hands on everything and and you know know where all the pieces are on the board to to have be unable to right like having not that sense of control that you want to be be very frustrating and probably terrifying right so you try to kind of just brush brush it aside and go back to what you know so yeah that that's that's one of my favorite uh i think it was one of my favorite aspects of thrawn in in rebels is you know when he just can't contemplate the bendu what it is this this unknown Mm -hmm. force um you know, and clearly Thrawn is familiar with the Jedi. He's familiar with the Force, and we learn more about that from some of the subsequent novels. Um, but the, but the Bendu is, is something that is even. I mean, it's distinctly different than than Jedi. So it's something that Thrawn right. has never encountered. Um, it doesn't and, play by any rules. Yeah, yeah, and mm. it's and it's something that like I like the way you put that stuff. It's something that he. I mean, it it totally slips through the grasp of his, his control. Um, and, uh, it, I mean, I think, so it's, it's interesting that like, 
again, I, I was never a fan of Thrawn. You know, I never, I never really liked him in the Heir to the Empire trilogy for the, you know, what I said earlier. Um, I don't think, I don't, I don't, again, I don't think he's an objectively, I never thought he was an objectively bad character. It was just never one I liked. Like, I liked the Emperor as a, as a villain because he's scary and spooky and, and, and uses Sith magic. And I liked Vader for the same reasons. But then you get Thrawn, who's more of just this military tactician genius. To me, that's just boring, personally. Um, but Mm -hmm. what I appreciated with Rebels is, um, they, you know, I mean, they just, they took those, they, they took those elements of his character and made them very, very clear in, in his appearance in the show. You know, I mean, you get that great scene where he's, you know, figuring out what he, you know, what the Calicari is and he's interrogating Hera. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very clear that that's who Thrawn is. He studies people's art and that's how he understands them. Um, but I think, you know, so when I first watched Rebels with Thrawn in there, I mean, I think I appreciated that they brought that forward. Obviously, they, you know, Dave Filoni had some sit down conversations with Timothy Zahn because he wanted to make sure he got the character right. Um, and I think up to that point, you know, really all you all you really had to draw on was the Heir to the Empire trilogy. And I would say mm-hmm. that the Thrawn and Rebels is very consistent to that. Um but Thrawn is very much a fascist in Rebels. You know, he's he's very yeah. comfortable with fascism, which is a very clear reminder he's a villain. Like, he's not a good guy. And what's interesting now, and, and we'll talk more about this shortly here, um, but when we get to those subsequent trilogies from Zahn that really make Thrawn a much more sympathetic character, I feel like that got ignored in Rebels. You know, he there's nothing to me that's particularly sympathetic about him. He's just a fascist. Um, and the one scene that really pissed me off when I was doing a Rebels rewatch after reading the Thrawn books is that scene when he makes the uh, I think it's in, I think it is in season three. Um, uh-huh. Kanan and Ezra infiltrate a rebel, you know, an imperial base to like they're sabotaging some stuff on Lethal, and Thrawn makes one of the workers get on a speeder bike that you know yep. it, it overpowers and blows him up. After reading the Thrawn novels, uh, I was like, that is not consistent with the character that I met in those books. Filoni got it wrong. Um, Mm. But also that story came out before those books. So maybe that was just going with the interpretation of who he was before. Um, But Steph, I want to bring this up here quick because I I always think it's funny that, you know, your husband Tyler always does give you a hard time. He's like, yeah, you love a fascist Um, when talking about Thrawn. And and that's what Thrawn is in Rebels. Like he's really just he's a fascist. Like he's not a, he's not a good dude. Yeah, right? not at all. Um, no, no. And, and I, I well, just I've got to put it out here. I think Timothy Zahn loves his character so much he forgets to give us. I think sometimes the the peeks into what could turn someone like Thrawn that we would see in the early trilogy, you know, the ascendancy trilogy where he's, you know, a younger man uh, into someone that could be perfectly comfortable and at home in Palpatine's galactic empire. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, I think we could blame Zahn for that one a little bit more than we could blame Bloney because, you know, as much as I think Zahn likes to try to rationalize uh, Thrawn's, you know, uh, uh, existence in the Empire. The fact remains that he is a good, you know, he is good enough to be in the Empire and be at a high rank in the Empire uh, and 
you know, known specifically by the emperor for a reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think sometimes Zahn tries to, uh, to just sort of shove that under the rug sometimes a little bit because he loves the character so much, Um, which, you know, writer's bias, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, this is something like Carl and I have talked about this a lot, right? Like what happened between, ascendancy thrawn right and and like rebels thrawn and there definitely is like a gap there that i would love explained right like i'd be fine you know if it was the case of oh again his intentions in in the ascendancy like everything was always for the chiss right and he you know literally like the phrase you know whatever the cost whatever it takes to protect those people which you know or whatever greater threat was out in the universe and sometimes that meant you know sacrificing morals right and certain things to get that done but even then he was like a pretty pretty lawful good kind of guy right um uh i mean even even in that first uh, uh middle canon book um with with governor price right like when she <laughs> she ends up killing a bunch of civilians and and thrawn is actually like kind of mad at her about it right mm. like he was really trying to trying to prevent that which is kind of interesting so there's already kind of that disconnect even between that book and and uh, Filoni's Thrawn in, in Rebels. Um, you know, and I just, again, I wonder how much of that was, like like you said, Carl, like the, the Rebel show came first, and I think there was that pressure to write a character that is interesting, but also, like, easily digestible for TV audiences, right? Like, there's, uh, maybe, you know, the medium might have had something to do with that as well. Like, a book, sure. you can really get inside the complexities of this character. In a TV show, especially an animated show, you know, I think it's like, how do we convey the important factors about this guy as simply as possible in the time we have? You never know when a show is going to get canceled, right? Like all those, all those constraints, I think maybe could have played into that, but yeah, it is something that like part of me hopes that maybe in the Ahsoka show, we get some of that story told, right? Or some of those gaps filled, um, connecting those dots. And I'm sorry, remind me, I, I'm probably going to do a rebels rewatch before Ahsoka starts. Um, because I want to make sure I'm caught up on everything, but it's been a minute since I've seen some of these rebels episodes in that episode where Thrawn forces the, the worker to get on the speeder bike. Um, does, are we led to believe that he suspects Kanan and Ezra are there and is trying to draw them out? Or am I, or am I misremembering that? Um, I think he knows that they might be involved and I, I, I watched it pretty recently. I don't think it's quite as explicit as he's doing this as a tactic to draw them out so much as he actually is like, to me, the way it played out was he was using this to scare the other workers, right. To like scare Uh them into compliance. That was more the impression that I got. I mean, I think he, he, he's wise to the fact that, you know, uh, the, the rebels crew is trying to infiltrate that they're that they're they might in fact be back on Lethal. But I think that particular moment was more of sending a message to uh, to the other workers. It was a very okay. and in that way it felt very Vader esque, right? Like that's that's a Vader mm-hmm. move. Um, so, yeah, yeah. That was always my interpretation too. Like again, you feel like there's there's a a mole right or a spy in your ranks, and it's it's kind of scaring everybody into staying into their place but yeah yeah but um yeah you know i think 
what uh was certainly in intriguing in in rebels as well is just the way that it ends you know i mean he's he's dragged away into the unknown regions with ezra um by a bunch of space whales yeah by a bunch of space (laughs) whales and um i think you know what i what i kind of what i enjoy about that is is what's that, you know, what's that going to do to Thrawn? How's that going to change him? And where do they end up? You know, I mean, if they end up in Chiss space, like he's back among his people, um, you know, I'm really, really intrigued about where that story might go. And, and I could see maybe getting another Zahn Thrawn trilogy that, you know, takes place between that and the Ahsoka series, um, which I think could be, could be really fun to, to, to hear that story. Um, but yeah, um, Thrawn is whenever Thrawn gets outsmarted in Rebels, uh, or like he doesn't win the day, he's always like, "Oh, let them have their victory. This is all part of my plan." I one friend of mine has his actually like loved Thrawn because of the the heir to the Empire trilogy and and loved that he's a military genius. And he said that he hated Rebels Thrawn because Thrawn was constantly getting outsmarted. And he's like, "That was stupid." And then they write it off like, "Oh, I knew that was going to happen. It was part of my plan." He's like, he's like, I always felt that that was really weak writing. Um, oh, and it, interesting. It, yeah, so it was interesting because like. He's he's one of my he's one of the few people I know that like deeply loved Thrawn just from reading the Heir of the Empire trilogy, um, mm. but uh, yeah, there was um, darn it, there was something I wanted to connect Heir to the Empire Thrawn to to, to Rebels Thrawn, and my mind is blanking on what that was going to be, so I'm just going to shut up because I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I, I was what you were just talking about, Carl. Yeah, um, I was just thinking about it was the scene in Rebels that made me like, yes, I'm a hundred percent in on this guy, this fascist. <laughs> like again, as as an interesting character, not a good guy, right? But it it is it's that episode where where the the ghost crew intercepts that infiltrator droid, right? And uh, Thrawn had been looking for the chopper base and. They uh, like Ezra and Kanan and them. They, like they turn it into a bomb and they send it back, you know. And um, and the episode—it's kind of a goofy episode the whole time, kind of lighthearted, whatever. It could be like otherwise kind of forgettable. Uh, but then the last couple minutes of that episode, um, you know, it's Callus and Thrawn are, are, are talking. And I, I think at this point, too, we know that Callus is Fulcrum and, and Thrawn. Like again, he might know, right? So there's that whole dimension going on. But um, you know, Callus is like, man, you seem pretty like okay <laughs> with, the, with this defeat that just kind of happened you know them taking your your infiltrator droid and all that and that's when he says you know uh, kind of what you were talking about carl um he's like well before they could have been in in literally thousands of systems and by returning that droid like now he was able to narrow it down to 94 planets where they could have been mm-hmm. um and something just like literally just like the the way that that line is delivered and and the music like everything in that scene works so well together that I had like literal chills and I was like oh snap <laughs> like um and that was that was like the moment that I think really hooked me because um I was just like this guy's good like he is really good everyone's playing checkers he's out here playing like three dimensional chess <laughs> that was just, like, <laughs> just like really cool um but I get it like I get how that you know, uh, can maybe seem like they're they're writing it off, right, or, or giving him a pass. But um, I mean, he he ends that episode too with talking about like he's he's willing to lose a battle, right? Because his his prize is like the longer war. Um, 
And I think that that is reasonable. And I think we've seen other characters kind of take that same path too. Um, so I don't know that it was expected, but he's, he's kind of willing to take that because he thinks, you know, ultimately it is going to kind of get him where he wants to be. And I don't know. I think that's a pretty boss move. But <laughs> again, I understand why not everybody's a fan. Every interaction reveals something. It doesn't matter how it, you know, right, what the interaction right. is, you know, right. uh, that that is definitely kind of the you you almost start hoping the ghost crew stops running into him because exactly. you feel like the, the more you the more they run into him the likelier it's going to be that none of them will escape right so right at that um, point every, everything they do just like leaves more clues and again that's that's what's interesting about him is it's like well man this guy's so good how do they beat him right and to me that's right. that's villains really cool right you're like this seems impossible <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah um well let's look at the uh let's look at that first of the new canon trilogy um and i i was actually watching a a, a youtube video a couple of days ago somebody was just kind of reviewing all of zon's books and it, it was a really great video i should have written down the name because i should have plugged it because the guy did a great job um but he made an interesting point that i i tend to agree with is that he was like, I really like this this Thrawn trilogy here, you know, Thrawn, Alliances, and Treason. He goes, it just never really felt quite like a trilogy. He said they very much felt like kind of standalone stories with some similar story beats drawn across them. I think that's kind of true. Like when you think of the, the Ascendancy trilogy, I mean, that is a, a tightly written trilogy. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. know we'll, we'll talk about that last. But um, yeah, it, the this this first one, and I, I tried – I tried reading both of the first two books of this when they first came out. Um, uh, my buddy Greg obviously gets every Star Wars thing, every Star Wars book right as it comes out and usually reads them. And, and I, tr- I think I got about a third of the way into the first Thrawn book and I just kind of got bored of all the politicking. Um, and then and same with Alliance. I read because Alliance came out shortly after they announced, you know, Star Wars land and let's Disneyfy Star Wars real hard here. And I, I was just, a, I was a very bitter Carl <laughs> at the time. So as I started Every, reading alliances, everything was going to Batu. Yeah. Everything, everything was at Batu, And I was like, oh, I'm right, kind of, I was like, right. I don't want to read about this stupid Disney park. So I just put the book down. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, looking, you know, now having just read it freshly, uh, I mean, it's, it's a really great, it's a really great series of books. I, I do think alliances is by far the weakest of the three of them. Um, I loved treason. I think treason is, I, oh God, treason was so good. Um, but the first one, you know, I, I actually was really taken with governor price's story this time reading it. Um, you know, she kind of comes from nothing, kind of gets screwed over by the system and then has to figure out how to get back into it. Uh, I just thought that was a compelling story, but, but, you know, like you kind of already insinuated, Steph, it, the best part of that first book is the relationship he develops with Eli Vanto. Um, they are adorable, <laughs> you know, so which much. I never thought you would use a word like that to describe Thrawn with anybody, but they are adorable. And Thrawn, like, just kind of attaches himself to Eli because I think I feel like something that's consistent with Thrawn's character in these newer books is. 
Thrawn really recognizes who people are, right? Like he can really see the heart of a person. And somebody like Eli, I think he sees Eli as just, he's just a good person. You know, he's caught up in the empire because he comes from nothing. He comes from a backwater world and he's just trying to, you know, he's trying to make a better life for himself. I think Eli is, you know, one of these people lost in the shuffle and Thrawn sees kind of the merit of what Eli is about and, and sees him as a trustworthy person that he, he, creates this really wonderful relationship with and their fates be kind of kind of come intertwined through that first book mm-hmm. yeah. e- eli's greatest desire is to become uh basically the quartermaster to a star destroyer right yeah like, yeah that's like, his goal <laughs> that's that's his biggest dream is he wants to manage supplies in as big of a ship as he can get <laughs> get onto like that's all he wants. Yeah. And Thrawn is like, no, no, you're going to come with me uh, and because I need your help. And he, here's something I think is, is interesting about Thrawn and something I, I – a theory that I have uh, about Thrawn is that he needs somebody mm-hmm. to balance him. He needs somebody to balance him. Otherwise, he gets off into fascist land. Uh, you know, like what he ends up becoming in Rebels. Uh, he has Aralani in when he's right. back with the Chiss to keep him honest, to keep him on the straight and narrow. And he acquires, quite literally, Eli Vanto uh, when he gets into the Empire, particularly in the first one. But then he sends Eli back to the Chiss to help his people. And he mm-hmm. loses that mooring. Uh, which is part of my theory is that's when he kind of does this this drift into becoming more serious, uh, more uh, more willing to explain harsher and harsher uh, measures away. Yeah, uh, and I wish we had seen a little bit more of that explicitly. But I feel like it's sort of hinted at, but Zahn loves Thrawn so much that he doesn't really let it go too far <laughs> across the trilogy. Um, so uh, I I really think that, that Eli is, is that sort of anchor that keeps Thrawn sane, if you will, in the Empire, um, like, like Arlani did uh, while he was with the Chiss, so... Yeah, I, w- I was having that same train of thought as you were talking and, and ended up kind of in the same place mentally. Um, I was going to say, like, I think in all those books, right, we, we again, we hear his story through the perspectives of the people around him. He's always surrounded himself with people, um, right? It's it's Eli or then, again, Arlani um, or, you know, his brother Thras <laughs> a few times um, in yep. Outbound Flight and in Ascendancy. Um, he's got Cardis in Outbound Flight, Um uh, I'm blanking on her name. The other, the other like chis woman, um, who's the the caretaker in the ascendancy books. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Thalia. Thal- yeah, yeah. Thalia. 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 There we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, right. And so, so yeah, I, I do, I do. I think he, I think he needs people. Um, and I think he, like, a part of him recognizes that, even if it's not a conscious thing. And so, yeah, Jason, like, as you, I could see where you were going with this, and I was like, I do like this, and I, I do think that works. 
as an explanation that, yeah, it'd be cool to have explicitly <laughs> said. Um, because I, I was thinking about that, and I was like, yeah, in Heir to the Empire, who does he really have? I mean, he has kind of the Nogri, but again, he doesn't respect them. It's not, it's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't using Eli Vanto. Eli suspects that, right, for a lot of, a lot of the story, and that's what makes that ending, like, so satisfying and beautiful um, when you find out what it was about all along. But, um, yeah, he, he forms these real caring relationships with these people, um, and he doesn't seem to have that, right, in, in the fascist Thrawn <laughs> stories as much. So, I, yeah, I do like that interpretation a lot. Yeah, that's really, I mean, it, it, I love that, too, because it's just, yeah, maybe that's part of why he's, he's, He's being eaten up by the system in Rebels because his his touch points to decency are not around him, mm-hmm. um, right? You know, I mean, if you if you sure if you surrounded yourself with a tyrannical regime with no sense of decency around you, you might in fact turn into a bit of a tyrant yourself, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I love that. Like uh, one of my <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in that that first Thrawn book is. When Thrawn and Eli get jumped by a group of cadets. <laughs> yep. And like, it's just like this really funny scene. And Thrawn is, Thrawn like pretends to lose the fight, but really wins the fight in a very Thrawn like way. And then when mm-hmm. Thrawn like figures out who they are, Eli's like, let's get revenge on them. And Thrawn's like, no, 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 I'm going to send them to a different place. And like, Thrawn is so not a vengeful person that he sends these people off. Like he gets promoted above them. So does Eli. But when they bump into those, one of those characters later on in the story, it's like Thrawn understood that this person needed to go to a different place. Like he knew where to put them. Um, Mm. Yeah. And gosh, I, I think also at the same time, it was kind of satisfying because all the, 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 the group that jumped him had no idea what was happening. It was all done in secret. Right. Um, right. And very, very quickly. And so that kept them safe from reprisals <laughs> for the rest of the term uh, at, at the academy. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, and, and, and I think that that's really what anchors Thrawn in these, these subsequent, you know, the, the, the final two trilogies is just his relationships that he builds. And, um, you know, I, I think maybe that's part of another, maybe part of the reason I also thought Alliances was the weakest story is because we, we don't get Thrawn with anybody like Eli. Um, you know, I mean, his, yeah. his, the, the back and forward story of, you know, the, the present story with him and Vader going on a mission together and then connecting that to the past mission that he has with Anakin during the Clone Wars. Um, you know, it's just not as compelling of a relationship between them, you know, because it's not because there really isn't a relationship. You know, Eli and Thrawn create a bond. Um, and with that first book ending, I should have gave a spoiler warning at the beginning of this episode. Whoops. But <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I don't feel bad about spoiling the Thrawn trilogy. That that series is almost 30 years old. Um, but uh, sorry, heads up. But I love that that first Thrawn book is really also about him honing Eli to send him back to the Chiss, right? Like he is yeah. entrusting Eli to the thing that he loves more than anything. You know, yes. I mean, I think that's really quite beautiful. That ending made me cry. I told you that, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so, it's so beautiful. Like, again, and, and uh, like, 
what really makes it is again you know, we, we're getting Eli's perspective throughout that book. And for a majority of that book, he's like, this guy's messing with me, right? He's like, he's like trying to get me kicked out. He's like trying to get me to, like, I'm never going to progress in my career, right? Like he, he doesn't see the larger plan that Thrawn kind of has for him. And then when it ends with that, like, again, like you said, Carl, trusting him with a thing that is the most important thing in the whole universe to him. And I'm just like, oh, tears. <laughs> like it's, it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful story of like friendship and, and trust. And oh, I just love it so much. And that's why, that's why it's my favorite book. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really good. And honestly, Eli Vanto is one of the, my favorite characters that Zahn has written yeah. and created. Uh, he's, he's such a good hearted, practical person, uh, that you, you're constantly reading the book going, why are you in the empire? <laughs> like Eli, you, you're too good for them. You shouldn't be in the empire. Like, I feel like if, if Eli hadn't known Thrawn, he would have figured something out and jumped ship to the rebels eventually. Like yeah. he's, he's that kind of good, uh, that kind of a good guy. I would push, but, you know, push back on that. I would say that I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I don't agree with that. Um, and not because I don't think Eli's a good guy, but it's because I think they make it very clear where he comes from. He comes from nothing. And the empire is kind of everything. They're the prestigious ones. Right. And, and he's probably bought into the, to the, um, you know, the, Gosh, why am I propaganda? The propaganda that the Empire is in yeah. fact a good thing. It's good for the galaxy. You know, and he's coming from nothing, and this is an opportunity to advance. So I don't think he would have ever necessarily joined the rebellion, not because he's buying in wholeheartedly to the fascism of the Empire, but more of just he seems like the character who just he's got his head down and he's plowing forward to try to make the best of a crappy situation that he was born into. Um and yeah. I and, 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 and in an true. interesting way, it makes my love of Thrawn for Eli even more pronounced because by sending Eli away from that system, he's sending it. He's yeah. sending him to a place that he actually believes in more. Right, the Chiss yeah. do have a moral goodness to them that the Empire is obviously devoid of, and Thrawn is aware of that. So maybe for Thrawn, it's a really good thing that he shows up in Eli's life because he sends Eli to a place that he can do even more good and actually lean into his goodness in a more pronounced way. So. Um, not to say that you're wrong, Jason. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, I, to me, it actually makes me respect no, Thrawn's, Thrawn's care for Eli even more. No, you're, 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 I, I see that. I, I see that. That uh, makes sense. Um, you're right, though. Uh, Eli probably would have been the kind of guy who's like, well, he's not on the front lines. And like, if, if Thrawn wasn't there, like I said, he's basically handling supplies. Mm -hmm. So he would have kept his head down and wouldn't have really paid attention to the political machinations mm -hmm. uh, and probably got caught up in something <laughs> that would have ended badly for him uh, if he hadn't been sent off. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, well, so um, I'm, I'm going to jump right into the treason stuff then. And, and I mean, feel free to say anything you want about alliances, um, but for the purpose of the relationship with Eli, right? Because of course Eli comes back in that book, and we see Eli with Arlani, right. um, yes. and 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 they've got a really great relationship being built. Um, obviously, a very different one from Eli's relationship with Thrawn. Um, 
But I think what I really appreciated about Treason is just kind of at its core when it comes to it being a Thrawn story is it's really Thrawn is being called into question by Palpatine. Where do your allegiances mm-hmm. lie, right? Are you are you still beholden to the Ascendancy or are you with us? Um, and I love how the book kind of ends, you know, obviously before the end, before we get to the, the Rebels finale, but the Emperor is like, all right, you go off on that mission, but you and I are going to have a sit down when you come back, right? Like it's pretty clear that things may not go so well for Thrawn yeah. when he when he comes back um because he's he's kind of the actions of this story really show that yeah the of course he is he's told the emperor he's loyal he's 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 aligned to it but really it it really pushes home that for Thrawn the empire is a means to an end and that that end is protecting the the ascendancy um, and I think that's kind of the route he chooses in that that particular story. Um, so, yeah. What do you all think? Go ahead, Steph. Yeah. No, I um, I think you're spot on. I agree with that. Um, yeah, we're. It definitely is a story about about allegiances, um, and you see thrown at like this really interesting crossroads. Um, I'm, I'm like thinking back to that book. Cause I think that's the one it's been the longest maybe since I've read that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I did, I do think that's maybe the, the strongest. Well, so again, my personal favorite is that first book. I think like the kind of the strongest story in that trilogy is definitely that third one. Cause it's kind of bringing everything together. Um, it is kind mm-hmm. of the, like, where does Thrawn go from here? Right. Um, kind of at this critical juncture uh, in his career, deciding who he's going to ultimately side with. Um, so yeah, like a lot of, a lot of good Imperial entanglements and things going on there. Um, we also, you know, we really get introduced to the, uh, to the Skywalkers too. Right. Mm, I think yeah, that's the first time. Yeah. Up, yeah. Um, oh, which yes. I also freaking loved, by the way, yes. when he's talking to, yeah, to Anakin. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and here's here's his last name, and he's like, oh. And Anakin's like, what? And he's like, oh, that's you know, we have a term for that, right? And I'm like, oh my god, I love that. <laughs> so <laughs> right? good. So, um, yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of good world building, right? That happening in those books as well. Um, but the other thing I, I really like is uh, again, kind of the uh, culmination of his battles with. Um, I'm like totally blank on his name. Um, the guy that works for Krennic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't remember his name either, but I know, yeah, I can't. Uh, assistant director. <laughs> oh God, I'm blanking oh, on his face. Assistant yeah, director um, Brophy. Uh, Just kidding. Assistant director Pompous Head. I don't know. He was <laughs> pompous beyond yeah. all reason. He's so annoying. Right, um, right. Yeah, see, I'll, I'll, so- I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Hold on. Uh, so go ahead, continue, but I'll look it up. Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, the other funny part about that book that I really liked, you know, having been a, a former, like, academic, too, was, like, the whole, the spats about, like, research funding, essentially. <laughs> it's like, are you going to fund the Death Star? Are you going to fund Thrawn's TIE Fighter program? Like, just so many funny things kind of kind of coming to a head. Um, and then the backdrop, obviously, of this, like, major, you know, intergalactic threat. So just just a just a fun but really, like, satisfying ending to that to that story yeah. uh, assistant oh. director ronin oh, ronin yes 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 yeah um, oh god but yeah the, the most 
pompous character to have ever pompous. Um, right. <laughs> uh, gosh, Steph, that's yeah. right. Trying, trying to prove Thrawn, you know, that he's committing treason or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say, Carl? No, I just, I, gosh, totally blank that that's in that, in treason is the, 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 the little side adventure where he goes to rescue uh, some captured Skywalkers. Um, and yeah. uh, it's, oh goodness, that's such a great little side plot. And Thrawn really has such tremendous value for the Skywalkers. Um and uh, and and what they mean to the chess. Uh, so yeah, that's oh gosh, such a good side plot, which gets to feel even more powerful in light of the ascendancy trilogy. Hmm. Yeah, I know. There's so much going on in these books. I'm trying. I'm like, was that ascendancy? Was that this trilogy? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, right. I, they I, really do all work very well together as you know an overarching couple of series. You know, uh, and. Uh, and the Skywalker aspect, I think, is one of the strongest, other than, of course, specific characters like Thrawn and Arlani, um, is one of the, the Skywalkers is one of the strongest aspects that kind of links all of these adventures together. Because mm-hmm. obviously what we, we learn is Eli's purpose is to try to figure out what creates Skywalkers um, in order to kind of help, if I'm remembering this correctly, that's right. In order yeah. to help the that the Chiss, uh, you know, be, be able to identify them earlier and uh, you know be able to help them uh, mm-hmm. and and protect them, yeah, so that they are not exploited or discovered by uh, other races out in the chaos. If right. uh, if yeah, Eli Vanto could say. Uh, if she'd been born in the ascendancy, we would have identified her early. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it, Steph, you alluded to this a couple of times. Um, but I, I got to say, I think what Zahn does consistently well, um, especially among old legends can- canon authors, is he does such a tremendous job of world building. Um, and I think... Uh, if y'all are cool with it, like to kind of just now shift into that final ascendancy trilogy, which really is a prequel trilogy. Uh, he yes. did a great job mm-hmm. modeling George Lucas, you know, tell a forward story, then go back a bit, then go forward, then go all the way back. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, very George of him. But, uh, the, the ascendancy trilogy, when I decided, like, so, you know, to, to quick little side stories, you know, Steph, when all of us, you know, our, a group of friends went down to Rhode Island Comic Con. I think that was back in October or November. Um, and you finally got to meet Timothy Zahn. You, you know, got his oh signature, and you two became best friends, which was uh, amazing. <laughs> um, and you've been calling him Timmy ever since, which I love. Um, <laughs> always makes me laugh. So, Timmy. <laughs> but uh, just like your your joy at that experience was so freaking infectious that I was like. I was like determined. All right, when we get home from this, I'm gonna try. Some, I'm gonna try these Thrawn books again. And I had Aww. heard, and I had heard like the Ascendancy trilogy was very good. I knew you loved it, Steph and Jason. I remember you saying that you particularly enjoyed that series. Um, yeah. So I was like, all right, let me start with that. And I I picked up Chaos Rising. I think I finished it in three days. Like I hadn't read a book, let alone a Star Wars book, that fast in so long. Now. In the new canon, Brotherhood is still my favorite of all the new canon books. Like Mike Chen's Brotherhood is just 
top tier. It's just below Revenge of the Sith in Star Wars novels. But I would say Chaos Rising is one of the best just overall Star Wars books I've read in decades. Uh, it's just so good. And, and the trilogy in general is amazing. But I think, you know, in a, in a similar way to you, Steph, with the way that that first a self-titled Thrawn book kind of just reeled you in. That was chaos rising for me with the Thrawn stuff is I just loved that story. And first and foremost is just Zahn creates such an intricate world. Um, and I think it was a nice reminder to me too, of like, I really like star Wars right now when it's not just telling the same old Skywalker esque story, right? Uh, like it was just the entire trilogy. That entire trilogy is just set in the unknown regions in Chiss space. Like it is, mm-hmm. You know, it, it definitely feels like a Star Wars story, but it's it has the freedom to do and be whatever it wants to be. Um, and Zahn just I mean, he just man, does he own that world um, and really make it compelling. I mean, he, you know, the, the the intricacy of the political system, the way that the the fleet works and the way that it interacts with the with the politics of the world. Um, it's just so freaking good. Uh, and uh, I, I'll shut up here in a second, but I think what immediately grabbed me with Chaos Rising is right at the beginning of that book, we have that scene with a very young Thrawn on the ship with young Thallius. She is a young Skywalker who is afraid, and Thrawn gets down onto a knee, gets down on his knee, and like talks to her comfortingly. And I'm like, oh my god, I love this. I'm obsessed. I cannot I wait. Uh-huh. Right? Like it wasn't already that. Like he started building a really cool world, but then I did not expect to care. Like in my heart, so much right away for Thrawn and another character. I'm like, oh my god, I'm all in. <laughs> right. It's really cool. Right. Yeah. And, and again, that's why I love that that trilogy so much too because. Again, it was that whole unexpected side to that character. Um, it really humanizes him. And and that's so funny. Like, the running joke in that Ascendancy trilogy is that, like, Thrawn is maybe the biggest humanitarian of them all mm-hmm. <laughs> in, the, in the system, right? All these politicians are always on his case for, like, stay out of that. Like, don't get involved <laughs> in other planets' affairs. And, and he's, like, going off and helping people all the time. So, um Love that. Like, absolutely love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, go ahead, Jason. No, it's it's great. You know, it's a great setup for those two characters. Um, and it obviously, it, it's, it completely changes and defines the trajectory of Thalia's life from that point forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's why she becomes so devoted to, to keeping him, you know, uh, on the straight and narrow, so to speak. Uh you know, as as far as she can, because as we learn, uh, you know, not necessarily perfectly, but as we learn, uh, you know, somewhat in the uh, the first Thrawn trilogy, uh, is that his his weakness in the new canon is politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's something that Thrawn has no aptitude for. Uh, he's too rigid, I think of a and straightforward as a person mm-hmm. and in his thought process that the intricacies and the whims of politics don't make sense to him. Uh, and as we go back into the ascendancy trilogy, we really see how that's more of a detriment in the Chiss system than it is in the Imperial system uh, for him because Politics and 
family politics because the the fam there's there's the political system as the whole ascendancy and then there's a political system as each of the ruling families and then the lesser families and their relationships to each other and their relationships to the other families and all of this stuff it's it's political systems upon political systems built on each other uh and he is sticking out like a sore thumb mhm it's so painful sometimes uh like i i love the 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 concept of thrawn because if he hadn't been kind of encouraged to go into the military i feel like he would have been just fine at home being the most renowned cultural anthropologist that shis ascendancy has ever seen yeah um and would have been perfectly happy you know, in that role. Uh, but he found out somebody shoved him into military and he found out he had an aptitude for tactics in addition to the, the culture and re- being able to read culture uh, from artwork um, that, that he kind of got onto that track. And it was, it was really interesting to see kind of the glimpses that we got into his his far past as he was going through the Chiss Academy and, and, you know, working his way up on that um, as well. But yeah, yeah, a lot of really interesting world building of the, the Chiss ascendancy and the family structure and then plucking Thrawn out of all of that and basically saying, yeah, he's an outsider among outsiders mm-hmm. in this world. Right. And yeah. now let's watch him attempt to rise uh, and traverse all of this. Yeah. And and that's yeah. why he needs people. That's why he needs people because he cannot do it on his own. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, I like the way you put that, Jason. He's like, even, even among his own people, he's a bit of an outsider. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think, you know, it, I don't think that's something that's ever explicitly developed in the initial heir to the empire trilogy. Um, I mean, it is obviously pretty clearly insinuated in that trilogy that, you know, well, where was Thrawn during the events of the original trilogy? Well, he's kind of sequestered to the back world of the galaxy because he's an alien, right? Um, right. It's very, they do make it clear that he was an anomaly within the Imperial structure because of the fact that he was an alien. Um, and uh, I do, uh, that was what I was meant to say earlier is I always remember from Heir to the Empire that it, I think it's pretty early in the book where Paleon basically is musing to himself, gee, if only Thrawn had been there at the Battle of Endor, right? Like just kind of yeah. saying he would have turned the tide. Right. Um, but uh, all that, so all that to say, um, yeah, I appreciate your point, Jason, that I think, you know, that's kind of what's become a, a, a staple of his character and probably why, and I don't want to speak for you here, Steph, but um there are a lot of people that really love Thrawn. And I think that this is the part of his character that I think folks identify with is that Thrawn is this continuous outsider. Um, and, and that's, that's an appealing character trait for people that feel like they, they're an outsider, right? Uh, I think Thrawn gives voice to that. And, um, you know, I'm curious what you two think about there. I try to remember which book it is in the, the, the ascendancy trilogy, but, um, and Steph or Jason, maybe you can help me remember too, because I can't remember what they're called, but it's essentially like a sage-like character. He lives on the top of a hill. 
Um, he kind of has visions. Oh, the the family patriarch. Yes. Yeah. That, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but one of them, right? The the one that basically is on Thrawn's side. He kind of has these visions of Thrawn being, you know, he's he almost gets this. He's almost a chosen one, if you will. You know, he's uh, in this trilogy. Is there the, this one patriarch sees Thrawn is kind of. Uh, it, 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 kind of this virgins in the Chiss life, you know, like Thrawn will either, um, uh, you know, he he's gonna he's gonna bring the the ascendancy to these to a glorious future, or it's gonna crumble because of him. Mm-hmm. What did you, what did you all think of that? Like, kind of elevating Thrawn. Into this almost that that to me like I really liked it. It felt very Star Wars, right? Like it it, it kind of makes him into this chosen one like figure. Um, I mean, not quite as in depth as you know Anakin and being this this you know chosen one in the Force, but you know that that Thrawn has this kind of prophetic destiny. Uh, curious what you both thought of that particular story element. Yeah, no, I did like that, and I think it's you know if you if you look at his relationships again with other people in, in the Chiss world, like just the political system, Thrawn was like, you know, baffling some of these politicians who again, were trying to kind of stump him left and right. Or um, again, like in, in many stories are just frustrated every time he succeeds. <laughs> it's like, Oh my gosh. Like even, even politically, like they can't beat this guy who, again, the joke is kind of that he doesn't understand politics and he's still, <laughs> you know, managing uh, to kind of, kind of pull one over them. Um, so I love this idea that, like, even just in a political sense, uh, you know, that the patriarch is like, I don't know, I don't know what is going to be the outcome. Like, again, it's either going to be great or he's going to bring it all crashing down. But like, it's, you know, it's clear that like this this guy is like something special, um, and and that he needs someone to guide him, right? Mm-hmm. Because Thalia ultimately becomes. I mean, Arlani has been there, right? But then then Thalius goes through her whole journey. Um, uh, and takes the trials and all of that. And, you know, again, I think it was the patriarch saying, you know, again, he's his, his fate, like, again, whether he, he destroys the ascendancy or or lifts it up, uh, is going to kind of depend on who's there to support him as well. Right. Mm. So like, again, he needs people. And I think like the (coughs) patriarch also, also recognizes that. Right. And was trying to make sure that those, those people were also in place to support him and, and hopefully guide him towards the path that would be better for the ascendancy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, the, the patriarch is the one who's sort of been watching over him and kind of helping to behind the scenes, open a lot of doors and pair him with, with various people who will help him along the, the way, you know, throughout most of his life, but the patriarch dies. Right. Um, right. And, and the, the, the member of the family, the myth family, which Thrawn is part of, uh, also sees the potential. <coughs> excuse me, but all but hyper focuses on the fact that Thrawn could also bring everything crashing down, and sees that as as something to get rid of. And so there's been you know Thurfian, who's uh, just completely been uh, trying to oppose and take Thrawn down the entire time. And of course he becomes the patriarch when the original one dies. Um, so that's kind of always the interesting wrinkle in the political ointment, if you will, uh, that goes along with all of this. And, and Thurfian is constantly trying to figure out a way to get Thrawn out of 
out of the influence uh, that he uh, has um, without being overt, overt about it because, uh, you know, they're part of the same family and that just doesn't look good politically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but, uh, you you know, it, it takes until the end of the trilogy before he finally finds a way to really do it. And even then, it's like he's almost doing what everyone else, what Thrawn and his crew want. So, right, yeah. right. And that's the brilliance of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, I, it kind of just had me thinking to what you were mentioning uh, just shortly ago, Steph, with Thrawn kind of being the most humanitarian of all the Chiss. Um, with all, you know, like you kind of just t- you're tying that that political intrigue game that's going on, Jason. You know, with what you know with with Thurifin and and trying to bring Thrawn down. And in the midst of all of that chaos, Thrawn's just trying to do the right thing, right? That all Thrawn cares about is the ascendancy and and making sure that the ascendancy is protected and cared for. I, I will say my, my only small critique I had of the Ascendancy trilogy, and I, and I understand that we never, once again, get into the head of Thrawn. I wish Zahn would just make it a little more explicit why Thrawn cares so much about the Ascendancy. Again, it's, it's a system, you know, I mean, it's, it's something that also seems to kind of have always been against him, like similar to Eli. He, he seems to come from an, an unknown family and uh, gets to rise through the ranks, you know, because of his, his wherewithal and his genius and brilliance. Um, I think that's, I mean, that's obviously another very compelling part of Thrawn as a character, um, but it's never made explicit why he seems to love the Ascendancy so deeply. Um, and maybe I missed it. And if you two know why, please tell me. Um, I'm not saying that it's it, it. It therefore makes the series bad, but that that's my only minor quibble with that entire trilogy. Is I just wish that it had been a little more specific. But maybe the counter to that also is to even play devil's advocate with myself is maybe that's not really what it's about for Thrawn. I don't know. Um, do either of you have any thoughts on that? Like the fact that, you know, Thrawn is Thrawn is deeply in love with the Ascendancy and ca- again, cares for its protection, but it's never mm-hmm. made explicit. Um, how, do, how do the two of you re- kind of respond to that? Yeah, I, uh, I always go ahead. Oh, go Sorry. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> I always kind of interpreted it again, not necessarily as allegiance to, uh, you know, like the Chiss as some kind of like governing body or authority, but again, like that humanitarian side that just cares about people. Mm. Um, and these are these are like his people. Um, and yeah, they may not, you know, the system has not treated him well, but I'm sure there are people in his life, right, who still did. Um, you know, we, we learn at a point that he had a sister. He still technically has a sister, yeah. right? But he's been disconnected from her for a while. Um, you know, uh, he has sort of his, his adopted brother, <laughs> eventually, Thras. Uh, so he does have, like, these meaningful relationships. And again, I, you know, again, this was a character who um, was also wanting to protect other people as well, like outside of the Chiss ascendancy. And so I think like, again, it was just kind of the, the good in him and wanting to help people. Um, and so again, it, it made sense that he would want to help again, like, you know, the people, people around him. Um, I also can't help but think about, you know, people who, um, for a lot of reasons, right. 
a system that may not <laughs> may not have their best interests at heart still have that sense of duty and loyalty um, because it's all they know too, right? So so you know I think there's a few different ways you can look at it, but I never I never understood it as you know he felt any obligation to these politicians who didn't care about him, but again more just kind of community and, and humanity. Yeah, I yeah. I definitely see it as as a loyalty to to the people, the the chis people. You know, as a concept, not because he does make a point uh, when he goes off world. And I can't remember which planet it is off the top of my head um, with Aralani when they're in their younger days uh, and they're doing something kind of diplomatic. And she they're, they're being toured around the market and Franz just sitting there observing everything and. Uh, and Aralani is actually starting to connect and to, to see the other aliens as people. Mm-hmm. And Thrawn admits he can never do that. He sees them as assets. Mm. Uh, right, and, right. Oh, that's right. And the, the reason that he still helps them is because he believes in the future they could help the Chiss. And it all comes back to his loyalty to the Chiss and making sure the Chiss are safe. If we make good relations with these people and we, if we help these people, we will make good relations with them. That means they won't attack us. That means they might help us. You know, that's right. kind of his logical progression, which is interesting because he, he does some very humanitarian things, but for very calculating reasons. Right. Um, and, and he says explicitly. I, 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 that, that Aralani sees them as people, and he, at least at that point, was unable to do so, which I found very right. interesting. And I think that's yeah. that's a, a, an aspect to him that was very fascinating to me, uh, but I do think sometimes got a little swallowed up. Um, that I, I kind of would have liked a little bit more exploration of that facet of him. Uh, but kind of got swallowed up by everything else that was happening, um, I think. Uh, yeah. Sometimes. No, it's it's a super, super good point. And yeah, so it's interesting, right? Because yes, he's seeing these other people as assets to help the Chiss. And then it goes back right to Carl's question of like, why does he care about the Chiss that much then? Right. Um, right. And And again, I don't think it's... You know, I, I, again, I think the Chiss as a people, but not necessarily the Chiss as like a government. Again, that has right, been great exactly. to him, right? But um, yeah, uh, and that's again like allegedly his whole reason for for going to the Empire, at least in the beginning, right? Is because you know this is this is what it's going to take to ultimately protect the Chiss, which is what he cares about. So um, yeah, I'd forgotten about that moment, but it's such a such a good moment. There's, you know, again, he has these, um, you know, if we want to call them genuinely humanitarian or again kind of more calculating he he like owns up to it right like i think you know there's a lot of cases where he he says you know like he's not a good person because of (laughs) the way that that he has to think about it so yeah again that's what i love about this character right really complex really introspective um very nuanced in that way yeah oh man um well i think uh I, i i i as always, I know there's a lot more we could talk about with Thrawn and, and specifically yeah. the Ascendancy trilogy. And I, and honestly, what this has me thinking, Steph, is maybe we just need to, you know, in the near future. Uh, and, and I feel like people are going to be hot up on Thrawn again, especially with him being in Ahsoka. I, yeah. I don't know how much he'll be in Ahsoka. 
Um, so I want to, I want to, I want to keep my expectations in check. Uh, um, but all that to say, with with Thrawn uh, soon to be on people's minds again, I feel like maybe we should uh, we should pick one of the trilogies particular or particularly to just dive into a little bit more in depth. Um, yeah, because uh, clearly there's meat on all of the bones here. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and. Yes. Uh, I'd or, be down for that, or, or just throw a complete curveball, and we could just talk about the hand of hand of Thrawn duology. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yes. oh yeah. Let, so let me find the Wikipedia yeah. for that and use that because <laughs> that's all you'll need. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember a thing about that, that duology. Oh my goodness, not, not the most memorable, not the most memorable. <laughs> but yeah, oh, no. I think that would be fantastic. And again, because it's it's been a while. Obviously, I'm foggy on some of those details. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, that'd be great. This is making me want to just go re- reread the Ascendancy trilogy. I, I, you know, it's funny, Steph. I borrowed all the books from you, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I'm always, um, I'm always of the at this point of of the game. I I try not to buy books unless I know that it's either first and foremost. If it's a book I know, I'll re- reread at least once. I'll buy it. Or if it's like completing a series that I really like, or if I want it to look on my bookshelf. I had no intention of ever buying any of these Thrawn books because, again, initially I didn't really have much interest. And then after I read them all um, from you, Steph, uh, I remember like I had been – it was really nice. Like you were you were like a really great interlibrary loan system. Every time you came over to hang out, like you just brought me the next book. Um, and then when when I was finishing the final the final trilogy for me with, with Treason, you were like, oh, shoot, I forgot to bring it with me. And I was like, oh, that's fine. But I was like, oh, I just really want to read it. So I just – grabbed it off Amazon that night yep. and I was like well it feels weird just owning one of these books and then I was like well I, I guess I should I should probably buy Chaos Rising because I loved that book and then I was like oh the hell with it I'm buying all six of them and they're just they're gorgeous books anyway but I will they say are. Steph when I was reading uh, I think it was it, you'll be able to tell me which of them exactly but when I was I know for a fact when I was reading Ka- your v- copy of Chaos Rising you obviously had it signed by by Timmy um yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> several of the other ones you had were also signed by Timmy and and uh I, it was just like I don't know like you know our friend Greg like Greg is, is all about supporting authors and and literature I mean it's just it's what he does it's I love that about him um, and Greg is always a huge fan of getting signed copies of books if he can. And I've, I've never really cared about it until I got a couple myself. And, and it, there is just something really sweet. And even when I was borrowing your book stuff, I would just like open to the front flap and I'm like, oh, Steph's best friend Timmy signed these. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, he signed my my uh, issue ones of my Thrawn comics too because I right. tracked all those down. So I have the Marvel run and then uh, the Dark Horse run, and I had him sign the first issues of those. That that was like one of the best days of my life. Like he he was, um, he's just such a sweet guy. Like really, and you know, just I got to you know just thank him for for you know writing this amazing character and. You know, he was just so sweet, just like taking his time just to, to share a moment. And yeah, I mean, I was on cloud nine like the rest of the day. I don't know. <laughs> so, so it was yeah. it was wonderful. No, Highly like, recommend. He's a doll. <laughs> it was uh, I'm going to use a biblical analogy because that's that's one of my primary love languages. But like the story in Exodus of Moses coming down from Sinai with the the the, the stone tablets. And we're told that his face is shining like gold because he's just you know, beholding the face of God. That was Steph coming away from Timmy. So I literally, like, I, I felt, like, 
part of it was I was, you know, you, like when you get things signed, you don't want to smudge them. So I was walking around with mostly the comic books because I was more worried about them. But, you know, so holding them out, like trying to get the ink to dry, try not to like run into people. But honestly, like I couldn't tell you what, what my husband and I did for the next 10 minutes after that because I was like on such a high. <laughs> Like, oh my god! I just met Timmy Zahn and he signed my stuff and he shook my hand and he's great. And yeah, it was it was awesome. <laughs> I, it's kind of like me when when I got my autograph with uh, Ahmed Best and I was like, I, I had all these things I wanted to say and basically all I could muster out was, th- th- thank you so much for being here, um, you know. So. <laughs> In there, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Oh, goodness. Well, um, Steph, thank you so much for coming on for this. And I know, like I said, you know, I'd been asking you about doing a Thrawn episode for, gosh, it feels like over over a year now, easily. Oh, that, more Yeah, than it's that, been a while. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I was glad that it was, I was a, we were able to do this after I was able to at least dip my toe into the Thrawn stories as well because initially it was just like I just want to give you a platform to talk about it and I know Jason will be able to respond because he's read them but uh, um, <laughs> but it was exciting to like be able to join the conversation now um, but uh, you know Steph before we go um, if if folks listening who are probably also diehard Thrawn fans would like to interact with you some more about Thrawn how could they do that oh man please do um, yeah I'm on Twitter um my handle is just at Stephanie Orm. So it's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-O-R-M-E. Um, and I'm pretty active on there. Um, yeah, that's probably that's probably the best, easiest way. Um, but yeah, I post all kinds of stuff on there. Gaming stuff, Star Wars stuff, my Thrawn stuff every once in a while. So, yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. And uh, Carl, if people want to weigh in on... Uh, any of the things that we talked about, perhaps their favorite iteration of Thrawn, uh, where can people get in contact with us? Oh, that's a, that's a great segue into to getting involved, Jason. Uh, we can uh, you can follow us on Instagram. We're at the Wampas Lair. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Wampas Lair, or you can email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, anything else, folks, before we close out? this episode uh i don't know nope. steph how do you say thron's name in chess <laughs> uh i think it's just mithron neruoto nice boom drop the mic uh, ah <laughs> perfect and on that note uh we are going to wrap up this episode thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the wampus lair podcast this has been episode 517 thron For Carl and Steph, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.